1: Hello, beloved. Hello, dear, dear family. How are you today? I pray that you're well, in spite of the fact that the country has gone truly crazy, truly, truly crazy. Um, uh, But we are not. We don't know what the future holds. Someone said, but we know who holds the future. We are okay. We are okay in him. Um, I think um, if you've been following, and of course uh, most of us have, the news about the White House and the riots and all of that. Um, I heard a further report last night that uh, Antifa, uh, some of them dressed up as patriots and stirred that riot. So I don't know if that's confirmed or not, but it was out on the Internet last night. So um, it's just amazing uh, that people follow without um, uh, kind of like sheep that's what God said, all we like sheep have gone astray, turned everyone to his own way. The Lord um, has put all our iniquity on him. I'm looking now, you see me searching on the internet, I'm looking for the, um, what we had yesterday. We were reading Ephesians, and I think Ephesians, which the Apostle Paul wrote um, while he was chained and in prison for his faith, uh, in the first century, um, and he was chained to a guard. And the wonderful thing about that is that the guard was chained to him. And uh, I think the guard got converted. The guard got converted. So he was in Rome. <clears throat> it was wonderful. So, hold on. <clears throat> now that we believe that President elect Biden will be sworn in on January 20th. God can still intervene. He can do whatever he wants. Uh, his arm is not short to save, but if he is allowed this, his ways are perfect. He is building his church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. The gates of hell are coming against it incredibly strongly right now. <clears throat> Pardon me. <clears throat> uh, I don't. I'm not sick. I think this is I don't know what the air is or the little chronic situation, but I'm okay. I'm sorry to be clearing my throat at you. Um, I think the most wonderful letter, the, the epistles of Paul in the New Testament, and he wrote most of them, were written to persecuted Jews, persecuted for their faith. And he gives us all the instructions we will ever, 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 ever need. And we read uh, quite a bit of it yesterday yesterday. Uh, that God has given us every blessing in the heavenlies, that we were chosen in him uh, in love before the foundation of the world according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to the counsel of his will. Um, And because we have heard... um, Uh, Paul has heard of their faith, he says, in the Lord and his love, their love toward all the saints. He says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glory, a glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power in us who believe, according to the working of his great might, which he accomplished in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and made him sit at his right hand in heavenly places far above. (coughs) above above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come, and he has put all things, all things beloved, under his feet. God is in control. If he does not stop the evil or the degree of evil, I believe he's probably stopped the degree of evil that could hit us, but his his ways are perfect. He's building his church. And I think Uh, He said when he comes back, it will be like in the days of Noah. No one is believing, reveling, and drinking, and partying, and all of that. Um, But um, he has called us out, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he has put all things under his feet and made him Christ, the head of all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills all in all. and you he says you he made alive when you were dead through the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience but beloved it's not a work at us if we walk with christ if we trust him Among these, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, following the desires of body and mind, and so we were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he loved us even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. We ended with this passage yesterday, that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. Faith is a gift, beloved. No one could ever boast of it. And this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God. Faith is the gift of God. It continues not because of your works, lest any man should boast. If any man can boast of being saved by his works, Apostle Paul, but he he's not saved by one inch of them, one ounce of them, one second of them. He's saved by faith in Jesus Christ, but not without works. Works with faith without works are dead. Works are the fruit of faith, indeed, but they are the necessary fruit. They are the necessary fruit, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in him. It is um, uh, faith that works through love, faith that works um, through love, and the obedience to God, uh, the obedience of faith Paul talks about all through the epistles. And Paul says this, Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles, this is all about epiphany, therefore remember, and we're in the octave now, that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once afar off have been brought near in the blood of Christ. See? Um, because Christ came through the Jews and for the Jews, but for the whole world. And I'll tell you, my background is Hebrew, it's Jewish. But I also was far off, I also was lost and dead in sin. And Paul says, for he is our peace, who has made us both one, Jew and Gentile, and has broken down the dividing wall. That's the unity. Um, Not that our magisterium and others are speaking about unity between Jews and Muslims and Christians and Buddhists and everyone in the world. No, there's no unity apart from truth. There is no true ecumenism is to get out the truth Uh, what each one believes to respect each one to find out truly what they believe that we can dialogue and by the grace of god hopefully he will bring them to the truth but unity uh, cannot truly exist without truth it cannot in our our holy father's message um uh, for Epiphany, it showed lots of people, all kinds of religions handing out food and doing those things. That's very nice. But there's no true unity without truth. Um Christ is our peace who has has made us both one, Jew and Gentile, and has broken down the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh the law of commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. What our Lord abolished in his flesh on the cross was the requirements of the Mosaic law um, because they were specific for the Jewish people. Um, And he fulfilled the law, which all the millions of Old Testament sacrifices, bulls, goats, and lambs, could never do. They were dead, and they had no power to change the heart or to save anyone. But God looked on their obedience and made it a a kapur, a covering for their sins, pointing to the one who would one day come and take upon himself the sins of the entire world, past, present, and future, and die as the only propitiation, the only satisfaction, the only sacrifice for sin that God would ever accept, the Lamb of God, not the millions of lambs through the old covenant which God did require of the Jewish people, but the final Lamb of God to which they all pointed, the Christ, the Messiah, Jesus, the Lamb of God who took takes away the sins of the world and everyone, everyone Jew and Gentile who will put their trust in him. Oh, dear. Okay, we will continue with this when we come back from the break, beloved. This is so rich. If you haven't gotten all of it because I'm reading a little fast, just go to the book of Ephesians and read it. Um, The second book that Paul wrote, Uh, He wrote others from prison, but the second one is Colossians. Ephesians has six chapters, Colossians have four, and it's kind of a mini-Ephesians, also, when Paul was in chains. So bless you, dear love, beloved, and we'll be right back after the break, and we'll take your calls and your emails and your texts after the second break. The toll-free number to call in, one 877 511 5483 or email at mother at the station of We'll be right back.
2: LifeSite News is an international news agency devoted to defending life and family and restoring Christian culture. We aim to educate and activate our readers with the information they need to fight the most crucial battles of our day in their churches, workplaces, and families. Our motto is Caritas in Veritate, Love in Truth. We firmly believe that promoting the truth is an act of love, however hard it is to hear. Over the last 20 years, we have built a reputation for uncompromising reporting, no matter the cost. LifeSite News is by far the most popular pro-life website on the internet, with over 40 million unique users every year and growing check us out at lifesightnews.com.
1: hello beloved this is mother miriam host of mother miriam live Like the Catholic Current and the many other programs that originate from the Station of the Cross, Divine Mercy in My Soul is all about the messages that Jesus revealed to St. Faustina. It is aired every Sunday morning at 11 Eastern and Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Or you can listen anytime to Divine Mercy in My Soul on the iCatholic Radio mobile app.
2: The Terry and Jesse Show.
1: Hi, this is Terry Barber from the Terry and Jesse Show. We
0: bring you the gospel with clarity and charity. If you have any questions about the faith or what is happening in the church, be sure to tune in at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 Pacific. You can call us during the show, 888-526-2151.
2: On the Station of the Cross radio network and heard around the world on the iCatholic Radio mobile app.
1: Welcome back, beloved family, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm so happy. I'm always happy to be with you. Am I always happy 24 7? No. I was uh, utterly grieved with what has gone on these past couple of days uh, at the Capitol and um, with the election. Grieved to the core. But um, I tell you, uh, God is perfect in his ways. I think we. I need to say, nobody would imagine that we brought about this amount of evil, but the fact is that I think Catholics um, in many ways control the vote, and, and I know Catholics who voted for Biden and Obama, Obama before him and Clinton before him. How anybody can be Catholic and do that with what these men believe, I'm not talking about personalities. I'm talking about Uh, what they believe, and I think many people were against Trump because they were against his personality, and to those people, I'm just simply going to say, shame on you, because to put millions and millions of babies' lives at risk, and the whole population at risk at this point, with this COVID um, control, uh, because one doesn't care for someone's personality, uh, there's nothing Christian in that, there's nothing wise, there's no common sense in that. It is, um, it, it it's just awful. It's absolutely awful. But we have what we have, and I think God is, has given us what we ourselves have brought in. What is there else to say? Um, I, I know that's the case. Um, it's we ourselves who have not lived the faith so uh, many, 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 many have. God has always kept, through all of history, the Israelites kept turning from him over and over and over again. The reason the Messiah came to the earth through the Israelites, through the Jewish people, is not because of their faithfulness. It's because of God's faithfulness. And he's always had a faithful remnant, always from Noah through Moses uh, on. And so uh, we, beloved um, Uh, If you truly are living the faith, if you truly believe in our Lord and his church, then we're the remnant. And if you live it without compromise, we are the remnant. Uh, if you live it with compromise and you pick and choose what you will do and how you will vote, and regardless of what people believe, um, and you accept this and you reject that of the church teachings, you are not part of the remnant. And I don't believe you're even Catholic, because it's not, as Pope Benedict said, Pope Emeritus Benedict said, it's not a cafeteria religion. You believe it all or you're not Catholic. if you, if you choose part and you say, I believe everything but that, whatever the that is, makes you a Protestant, a protestant. That's what Martin Luther did. He kept some and threw out the rest. Um, just uh, There's no survival for anyone, beloved, who is not in the church our Lord established and is in full obedience to the church's teaching. Are we in full obedience to the people that God has... And the bishops and the priests, we are as long as they are in obedience to the truth. The Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. <clears throat> when anyone departs from Christ, then I no longer follow them or I don't follow them in that measure. And to the measure that they don't obey the church, they are free to disobey just as we are. And in that measure, we don't follow them. And so the Apostle Paul would not compromise his faith, no matter what. Peter said, also, uh, you tell me whether I should obey God or men, and there's no, that's a rhetorical question. Of course, we're gonna, I'm going to obey God rather than men. He was thrown in prison. Paul was thrown in prison. The disciples were killed, beheaded, uh, uh, crucified, all of that, except for the Apostle John, who died in exile on the Isle of Patmos. All of them gave their lives for the faith, all of them, beloved. Um, you may say, well, I'm not looking to be a martyr for the faith. Well, um, if you don't live as a martyr, you might die as a coward. I'm just going to tell you that. The only faith, to me, worth living for is that faith worth, worth dying for. And if you say, Mother, I don't have your courage, I don't know what courage I have. <clears throat> I'm not looking to die. I, if someone came in here with a gun or a knife or rested me for, and held me down to give me the COVID vac- vaccine, would I be frightened? I sure would be. But would I deny Christ, I would not. I would put myself in his hands and, um, <clears throat> and trust him. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, that's what I think I would do. But the scriptures also say, beware when you think you stand, lest you fall. We cannot be proud about what we would do when we're not faced with it. But I do believe that uh, if something like that happened, I think I'd be quite frightened. I don't know. But I believe that God will always give us the grace at the time, not before, but at the time to endure whatever trial he'll bring on to us, always. So um, there is no excuse for abandoning him, beloved. You could be of weak faith, but if you have faith, God has given it to you. It is a gift. And don't falter. Don't fail. We are not looking to die as martyrs. But we may have to live as them. It's the martyrdom of love. It's the martyrdom of self-sacrifice. And if we deny Christ, the scriptures say he will deny us. (coughs) We must not, beloved. And I'll continue um, uh, where I left off in in the book of Ephesians. For he is our peace. God is our peace. Christ is our peace. Who has made us both one, Jew and Gentile, not Jew- and Christian, and Muslim, and everybody else. No, 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 no. There's two people in the world. The Jewish people whom God separated to make for himself a nation through whom the Messiah would come, not because they're special. They didn't even exist. God did that. He could have done it to any other people or called them anything. They didn't even exist. He got Abraham, who was then Abram, out of Ur of the Chaldees. His parents were idol worshippers. But God looked and saw Abram's heart, and called him apart and said, through, I want you to leave your parents, leave your home, leave everything. And through you, I'm going to form a people. And through your seed, Abram, <laughs> uh, all the nations will be saved. And Paul writes to the Galatians in the New Testament that that seed is singular, Christ. So through Abraham, God made a nation for himself through whom the Messiah would come. And they were a stubborn, stiff-necked people. And no matter what God did for them, over and over and over again, they continued to turn from him, but he continued to have a remnant, and it was on that remnant, the prophets, the apostles, on the remnant, <clears throat> that God established His church on Peter and the apostles, um, and at the Last Supper instituted the Eucharist, instituted the priesthood, which was from the Old Testament priesthood to the new, to offer not millions of sacrifice but the one sacrifice that God himself gave, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And there's no other name, the scripture said, under heaven by which we must, M-U-S-T, not can, must be saved. There's no other way to God the Father but through the Son. No other way, there's no other God. He is our peace who has made us both one, Jew and Gentile, and has broken down the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh the law of commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby bringing the hostility to an end. <clears throat> and I started to mention yesterday That by fulfilling, our Lord said in Matthew chapter 5, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. The way that the Mosaic law was concluded is not by doing away with it, but by Christ fulfilling it. And that law was provisional, it was conditional based on the obedience of Israel. They disobeyed. But Christ is faithful to his promises, and he fulfilled it. But that was conditional. Uh, to show the Jewish people, the Jewish nation, how to live. Because he promised through Abraham and through his covenant with Abraham that the seed of Abraham um, uh, would be the, the one who would crush the serpent's head and through whom all the nations of the world would receive the Savior. He did not abolish the Abrahamic Covenant. The Mosaic Covenant was uh, provisional along the way. This is how you live, right? A child is born from its parents. <clears throat> no matter what happens to that child, if he's a murderer, if he goes into drugs, if he betrays his family, he is a child of those parents. He's born, nothing could stop him from that. But if he uh, he's, he's forfeited... Uh, all the privilege of sonship, uh, the inheritance, everything that would be his if he obeyed and lived under that family. But if he goes off and he separates himself, his future is is doom. But he remains a child. But if he decides to obey, and he doesn't know how to obey unless he's given strict commands. And so God has given us the commands. We're his children. He's given us through baptism. He's given us the commands. And we have a choice to obey or to not, to abandon him or to not. And um, when we are faithful to him, we are the remnant. When we're not, we remain his children uh, through baptism. But we have forfeited our inheritance and we will wind up in hell. I I tell you, I read from a strong evangelical Protestant background. I read the scriptures from cover to cover, and I, I was shocked out of my mind that I came out Catholic, reading the Bible through, without commentaries, without anything. I came out Catholic. Unbelievable to me, because I taught the scriptures through a Protestant Bible Institute. I had what I think is the most magnificent expositor of the scriptures in the world. Under me, uh, I was under him, over me in my Protestant years. Um, and uh, for me to uh, put the commentaries away and do all that, and just read the scripture asking the Holy Spirit to guide me, I came out Catholic. I was shocked out of my mind. And then I started reading everything and i am catholic now and i i just a thousand eternities would not be sufficient for me to thank god <clears throat> so again um Let me just continue this sentence. I have to start from the beginning. For he is our peace, who has made us both one, Jew and Gentile, and has broken down the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh the law of commandments and ordinances, that he might create himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross." thereby bringing the hostility to an end. That will never happen by trying to unite Jew and Christian and Muslim and and Buddhist and uh, Shih Tzu and, and the Amazon and all of that. That will never, ever, ever, ever happen. There's two people in the world, Jew and Gentile. And by making the two one is the only way we'll have unity because the one will be solid in the truth who is himself Christ. Okay, dear ones, I need to go to the break with you, and I will take your calls, your texts, your emails. As soon as we come back from the break, the toll-free number, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at com. We'll be right back.
2: Thank you for helping to save the culture. Praise be to Jesus. Hi, this is Joe McLean, host of the Catholic Drive Time Morning Show, joining you on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network each weekday morning at 7 a.m. We'll keep you informed and inspired with insightful guests and breaking news stories of the day. That's the Catholic Drive Time, weekday morning, 7 a.m. on the Station of the Cross and the iCatholic Radio app. We'll see you then. May God love you. As a non-profit lay organization financially independent from your diocese, our apostolate is listener-supported. The Station of the Cross thanks our supporters who have enabled us to broadcast Catholic programs for more than 20 years. Through your generosity, we are able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel message and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. Thank you for your... Continued support, and may God bless you and your family.
0: Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1 877 511 5483 or email her at Mother at the Station of
1: Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam live. I'm so happy to be with you. Isn't this poinsettia behind me gorgeous? It's still alive. A couple of leaves are are dying, but I love it. I love it. I love Christmas. I love being a Hebrew Catholic, a Jewish Catholic. The fulfillment of Judaism. The most Jewish a Jew could be is to believe in the Jewish Messiah who came 2,000 years ago, who died for our sins, rose from the dead to give life to all who will come to him. So if you say, I'm Jewish, it's not for me, you are wrong. Um, You're not Jewish enough until you believe in the Messiah. And if you don't think that the Christ, Jesus is the Messiah, go read the New Testament Testament and covenant are the same word. He promised through Jeremiah and Ezekiel that he would make a new covenant in his blood. And he did that, beloved. He came first as a dying lamb to save us from our sin. He'll come again as a reigning king to set up his kingdom. And at that time, it's going to be a little late because he's going to come the second time as our judge. So um, the New Testament was written every bit of it by Jews, except one. I shouldn't say every bit of it. Luke is the only gospel and the only book in the New Testament, New Covenant, that was not written by someone who was Jewish, but he was the Jewish Paul's companion and a doctor, so that's not so bad. Um, uh, uh, So many Jewish people have come to our Lord Jesus Christ, just by reading the Gospel of Matthew, which Matthew wrote to his Jewish people and shows the genealogy um, from Abraham on to Christ it's wonderful okay beloved we're going to take your calls now this half hour the lines are wide open you're welcome to call in with anything on your heart <clears throat> um a toll free one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three or email at mother at cross dot com. We have an email from Joe, and Joe writes, "Dear Mother, first I'm new to your radio show and I listen frequently in my truck as I'm working. You remind me of another well known nun I used to watch a lot, Mother Angelica. You're not afraid to preach the truth. We need more priests like you. Oh." amen amen we need priests speaking the truth and living the truth and guiding their flock in the truth i I agree not that they should be like me they should be like christ they are all to christus they are to be christ among us he says okay my question is this there was a priest in our parish who had recently retired he did something that did not make sense to me I always was taught that whenever you walk past the blessed sacrament or the altar and crucifix, you must genuflect, bow, and or make the sign of the cross. I do it myself. Before Mass, after confession, this priest would leave the confessional and then return to the main altar area and proceed to the back to get ready for Mass. But as he did this, he would pass in front of both the Blessed Sacrament and the altar and crucifix, but he did not genuflect or uh, bow or make the sign of the cross. This happened a lot. Am I wrong, Mother? Must a priest do these things, or is it not necessary, perhaps, because he's about to perform the Mass? It always bothered me when I saw this happen. Um, <clears throat> I ask this because other priests that came to say Mass would be more reverent and um, around the Blessed Sacrament and altar and seem more holy-like in general. Thank you, Mother. May God continue to bless the work you do on radio. I love your show. My best, Joe. Joe, your dearest, you're 100% right. Um, when I see a priest walk back and forth before the altar, before the Blessed Sacrament, we genuflect before the tabernacle. We bow before the altar and make the sign of the cross before the crucifix. When I see a priest walk back and forth in front of the tabernacle and not genuflect, I wonder if he has kept his faith. I wonder if he even still believes or has just taken everything so for granted he forgot who Christ is. I wonder about that. Because if Christ were standing there not in the form of uh, a round wafer, but in the form of a man. God is not a man, and he's not a wafer, but he became a man for us, and in a further act of condescension became our food. And But if he was standing there in the form of a man, <clears throat> as he became through the Virgin Mary, um, we wouldn't just pass him and completely ignore him. We would bow or prostrate ourselves. So when I see priests do that, and I see it a lot... Um, I just assume that their faith has grown cold because the very least a priest is to do is to lead the sheep to the shepherd, and by his uh, lack of example of any faith or holiness, uh, he is destroying the sheep he's destroying the sheep, and it is um, he's misleading them he doesn't he's not uh, at all um, demonstrating. Uh, that God is truly there and the reverence we must have for him. So, Joe, you're right on. You're absolutely right on. It grieves me as well. It grieves me when servers will just walk by the tabernacle behind the altar uh, and, and pay no attention to Christ. Or, or maybe make a slight bow of the head instead of genuflecting. They're young, strong boys. Why aren't they genuflecting? So uh, it's a lack of training, it's a lack of teaching, it's a lack of reverence, and ultimately a lack of faith. <clears throat> we have an email from someone who writes in anonymously and says, Good morning, Mother. I hope you are well. I am. I keep clearing my throat. I don't know why. They said Tulsa was the... Uh, Capital of the world, but now I'm in Beloit, Kansas. I I keep saying that um, with the joy of a child. We are happy here, beloved. We are truly, truly, truly happy. And um, we love the house we're in. Um, It's going to be a temporary measure. And um, I will let you know for the first time, we're looking for sizable land to build. A little monastery on, and there are a few families who have written us that want to come and either buy a house or rent a house or build a house around us because of uh, the times that we're in, not knowing what the future is going to bring us, um, and um, so we're looking. We want to remain in Beloit. I just want to announce that we really have a, a very. Strong. It's more than a sense. God has brought us here. Two and two is four. God has brought us here. We are thrilled um, for a holy, beautiful, true shepherd in Bishop Gerald Vinky. We we feel protected. We are uh, so so grateful to him and uh, Father um, uh, jared Conradi, our priest in Saint John the Baptist Church in Beloit. Um, The people here are uh, out of a fairy tale. They're large homeschooling families. They're Catholic. It's just so beautiful. So we want to remain here, but we want to um, find a sizable piece of land, even if it borders Beloit, um, where we can build a monastery, and there will be room for people to come and maybe build houses if they wish around us. We would, we would absolutely love that. And so um, we'll also need to raise the money for that. But uh, we've never raised money in our lives uh since we're, since we're established in 2008, uh, God has met our every single need. We've never raised money. We send a newsletter out three, maybe a tops four times a year, and we have a little card for people to respond. But that's it. We have never, ever raised money. God has provided our every need. And people have said, uh, do you need money? Do you need this? What are your needs? And every time from Tulsa, I've said, I... I you know, I, we don't need it. I, I, I don't want to ask money that we don't need. And I've never said we need it because we don't. But now to find land and build a monastery, we're probably going to need, the, the bishop estimates five to seven million. I have no idea. But when we know for sure, we'll let you know. But um, that's what we want to do. And we want to do it starting yesterday um, because of the times we're in, because of the need. And again, we've had we've had so many families even a retired couple who are so beautiful and they've been with us for years, supported us for years, and they're retired and out of work and they could come and live on the property and be our, he could be our handyman and she can do all kinds of things. We just, um, we're so thrilled about this opportunity. So um, we'd love to hear from you with anything on your heart. Um, we know there are families who want to come. I've had several, several emails um, <clears throat> But right now, I didn't plan to tell you that this morning, but I want to keep giving you updates uh, from Beloit because we are thrilled to be here in this tiny little town under 4,000 population. It's a fairytale situation because the people are over the top, magnificent and wonderful Um <clears throat> And there's already a beautiful woman here who wants to become part of us. So we've already invited her, and and so many people are calling, and we're going to need a little monastery to take in all the women. So um, feel free if you want to join us. We still have room here in this house in Beloit to take in women, um, and we're going to begin to have um, discernment retreats, anybody 18 and and above. So... um, let me go on now f- with our emails. And again, you're welcome to call in toll-free 511 um, 5483 We have an email from somebody who writes in anonymously and says, Good morning, Mother. I hope you're well. I am, I am, I am. Um, my fi- my fiancé and I will be having a civil union this coming February. We are also planning a church ceremony in a couple of years to come. I want to know if a civil union marriage is a valid marriage in the eyes of our Lord. Thank you, and God bless. Um, I don't know if your fiancé and you are baptized. I don't know if you're Catholic. I don't know your situation. It will be licit, uh, meaning if you have a civil marriage, it is a licit marriage in the eyes of the law, but it will not be a valid marriage in God's eyes if it's not sacramental. Um, Again, it'll be valid uh, civilly, but it will not be a sacramental marriage, and you will not be married in the eyes of God, Uh, which means if you're Catholic, you will be living in fornication, even with a civil union, if you're not married in the church. So why you would want a civil union and get a ava- vow and and be married in the church two years from then. I have no idea. I have no idea. But I'm going to predict that's not going to be a very good and solid and long lasting marriage. If you're if you're both not Catholic, that has to happen first. Apostle Paul writes that we should not be unequally yoked. And if you are getting married, uh, why you wouldn't be married in the Catholic Church? I don't know, so I I cannot give you a a full answer, but your marriage will not be valid in the eyes of God. It will be legal and licit uh, before the government, but in the eyes of God, it will not be sacramental and will not be valid in his eyes. Um, And you won't be able to go to the church and receive communion. You will not be able to do that. Um, You can go to mass, but you must not receive communion if you're living together outside of a valid sacramental marriage, you must not receive communion. uh, Nancy writes an email and says, Dear Mother Miriam, could you please tell me if there's a difference between the Baltimore Catechism and the newer version under St. Pope John Paul II? Thank you, Nancy. Yes? Um, I will tell you there's a difference. I cannot tell you what the differences are. I don't know if um, anyone's done that work. We could look it up on the web to see if anyone has um, delineated the differences between the Baltimore Catechism and the, the newer Catechism. But we recommend the Catechism that Father Chad Rippiger recommends, which is the Council of Trent. That Catechism... And it's called the Catechism Explained. It's the Catechism of Trent with magnificent commentary. And then you will be in line with the Baltimore Catechism. So um, uh, that's what we can recommend. God bless you, dear ones. There's the music for our final break. And we will have uh, 10 minutes after the break. And again, you're welcome to call in. There's still time during the break. Toll free one eight three, And we'll be right back.
2: The future of the family is grim. As Our Lady of Fatima said, the final battle will be for the family. It truly seems as though we're in the heat of this final battle and we need your help. Our mission at LifeSite News is to educate and activate readers with the information they need to defend life and the family and restore Christian culture. We are currently the most popular pro-life website on the internet with over 40 million unique users every year.
1: Merciful God, our Father, hear our fervent prayer for all who suffer from the coronavirus. May those who are infected receive the proper treatment and the comfort of your healing presence. May caregivers, families, neighbors, and church communities
0: be shielded from the spread of this virus. Preserve our bodies from contagious disease
1: and our souls from all sin. Protect and guide those who strive to find a cure that their work may conquer the virus restore our communities to
0: wholeness and health. Help us to rise above fear and to live in your peace. We ask all this through the intercession of Our Lady of Fatima, and in the name of your Son, Jesus, the Divine Physician, and the Holy Spirit, who live and reign now and forever. Amen.
1: Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live, beloved. And um, this is our last segment. I mentioned that you are welcome. Our lines are open. There's still time, about a good ten minutes or more, for you to call in. Toll-free one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three. Um or email at mother at the station of the dot com. I want to take our next email. Uh, from Nancy, a different Nancy than we just read, who says, Hi, Mother. My daughter, who was raised a Catholic, is set on marrying a man who was raised Presbyterian. He does not practice any faith and, in fact, is a staunch Democrat. He believes firmly in abortion and has bought into the entire left-wing propaganda. It breaks my heart, but I do not think she should marry in the Catholic Church. Am I wrong, Nancy? No, of course you're not wrong, uh, Nancy. Um, If your daughter who was raised Catholic is set on marrying a man who was raised Presbyterian, but not only does not practice his faith, but believes in abortion and has brought into the entire left-wing propaganda, then your daughter, uh, I would guess, is not Catholic. She's Catholic Catholic. Uh, raised Catholic baptized maybe had the sacraments but she has turned her back on God and the Catholic Church that's what it seems like if she would marry this man again the Apostle Paul says to not be unequally yoked what fellowship has Christ with Belial Belial meaning Satan and it everything that the left wing uh, uh, believe is 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 not of god it's it is of satan and so how could she marry him altogether she may have been raised catholic but there's no way she's catholic now or practicing her faith um you are right that she should not marry in the catholic church and woe be to the priest who would marry them in the catholic church because she would have to be practicing her faith and he who uh, believes in nothing and believes in abortion would have to agree, even though he's not Catholic, he would have to agree. He's probably baptized if he's Presbyterian, but he'd have to agree uh, to never uh, aborting uh, the pregnancy of his wife. Um, He'd have to agree to raise those children Catholic and to live as a Catholic, uh, to let her raise them as a Catholic. I, I doubt he would agree to that, and um, and if he uh, I doubt no matter what he says to marry her, that it would it would be complete chaos and mockery in that household. Um, if she claims to be a Catholic, she will be in mortal sin marrying him because it will be a lie. And so um, absolutely they should not marry again. Uh, Woe be to the priest who understands their situation and who marries them in the Catholic Church. Woe be to the priest who does not understand their situation and marries them in the Catholic Church. No priest should marry anyone unless he knows their lives and their commitment. No one. We have an email from Kevin who says, Dear Mother, having read read and studied the sacred scripture for many years, understanding the meaning of the mark of the beast has me confused. Uh, Join the club, Kevin. It has a lot of us confused. Um, Over the years, it's true from Revelation, but uh, it's confusing to identify it. Over the years, he says, I have heard many commentators exclaim that the mark of the beast is this or that. At the present time, the exclamation is that mark of the beast is the COVID vaccine. I think I've even referred to it as the mark of the beast, not knowing it, but something that every person is required to do or take uh, at perhaps the cost of their freedom or lives. Um, Study, uh, Kevin continues, study of sacred scripture appears to reveal that God does not ever fool anyone, that's correct, and always presents people with a clear choice of A, with me, capital M, or B, against me, with or against God. I believe that's true, uh, Kevin. He continues, a person always, without exception, is given a clear choice of following God or not, which might result in much difficulty if one chooses to follow God. Kevin, you're right on. He continues, my question is, how could the COVID vaccine or any other object slash device be the mark of the beast without one having a clear and quote in your face, unquote, decision to follow God or not? It appears to me that the mark of the beast will require one to make the conscious decision to receive it a- after having weighed the option of following or not following God's way. Your thoughts, uh, regards, Kevin. Kevin, I agree with you. I think your reasoning is 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 right on. Um, to, um, uh, we're we're talking about the dangers of the COVID vaccine, many dangers of different vaccines. Um, and the the fact that um, th- that the government is looking to control us, that the vaccine will insert a certain uh, change of DNA or insert a certain... Um, Something mechanism into our bodies that will allow the government to know everything we're doing at every time and where we are. I've I've heard this many times, uh, true or not? I don't know. How could I know? Um, so no, that's not a choice of following God or not. But I would say, and, and this is even difficult because if we know that a certain vaccine is made with aborted baby parts, which which many are. Um, then i think it would be um a grave sin to receive that vaccine the difficulty is that uh many of our shepherds uh or used to be shepherds in the church have said Uh, which to me is a horror of a statement that it's an actual act of charity to receive the vaccine, even if it's made with aborted baby parts. The act of charity being that if you don't get COVID, you can not infect others. But it's no act of charity to kill babies that we may make a vaccine to save our lives with. Uh, You don't do evil that good may come. But not everybody may know what the vaccine is made from. And even if we believe that it would be a grave sin to receive a vaccine from aborted baby parts, um, our so-called shepherds, many of them are saying that it's no problem, that it's an act of charity. I don't know how our shepherds have bought into such evil. I don't. Know how, but the scriptures say that in the last time there will be a great apostasy, which we are in. Um, abortion itself has marked the great apostasy, and that many hearts will grow cold, including our shepherds, greedy and cold, and um, uh, even the elect could be deceived. So, Kevin, I think you're absolutely right. I cannot say um, that COVID vaccine is the mark of the beast. I cannot say it if, because it's not a clear call. And I think God, if, if it would be a matter of life or death, eternal life or death, I think you're right, Kevin, I, this is your, your, your email is, it's it's excellent, outstanding. I think that we would not be in confusion. I think it would be a clear uh, choice for God or against him. Uh, just like the soldiers who went into the underground church and said, unless you deny Christ, um, you will be killed. And then everybody left uh, to save their lives. And the one soldier with the rifle left, sat down, put his rifle down and said, I want to know it is to be a true Christian because those are the only ones, a little handful, that didn't escape death. And so I believe you're right, Kevin, And uh, I bless you for your email, Uh, and I say to everyone, if it's a clear choice of abandoning God or not, God will let us know that. He will let us know that. Um, I still say we should not take the vaccine, uh, even for the sake of our health and our own lives, but at the moment, I don't think it would be abandoning God. God bless all of you. We'll speak with you tomorrow.